Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Um, we do that for the Song Topsy Report every time. We've been doing it for a year now. We've never clapped at the same time. It has never happened in, like, 13 months of recording remotely now. Um, try having a clap in your show's <laughs> title and <laughs> no. having to... <laughs> no, they work so well. We've never isn't once that the magic? Up. Isn't that where the magic of editing can kick in and you can just slide that audio track just a little bit more and it's all... Nick, shut up. You're going to give away our secrets. <laughs> it's like, Glee, aggressive. We actually just have six hours of Ian and I trying to clap at the same time, and we put it in where it's appropriate. Exactly. It's like the most passive-aggressive applause. Oh, well, hello, everyone. I'm keeping that. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. Fuck it. (laughs) My name is Karina. My name is Ian, and, um... Today we have, as you can hear, a very, very special guest. He is an actor, writer, comedian, director, um, jack of so many trades, all of which I appreciate because he is, in fact, the co-founder of Dapper Devil Productions and my work wife. Please welcome to the show one Nick Brigadier. Hello, hello. Hello. I am so deeply flattered. Why aren't you writing my bio for every web page I have where I don't know how to sell myself? I mean, we can do that, because I hate writing bios, too, so I'm happy to write yours. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss after the show, but I am very okay. happy to be here. I, I was just saying right before we started recording, or maybe it stayed in, who knows, um, that basically most of my experience with Glee in terms of what's actively happening on the first season has just been what you guys have been conveying in each episode of this podcast. So I, I feel like I have an extremely unique, possibly biased position on what is happening. I mean... And you know... <laughs> That's what we're here to do. (laughs) It is certainly biased. Um, Yes. Well, we are here today to talk about Season 1, Episode 18, Laryngitis. It originally aired May 11th of 2010. Um, So we're like, I think maybe the closest we'll ever be to being recording about an episode um, when it originally aired uh, like a decade ago. So that's a little fun. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. By the way, happy Mother's Day because... As we're recording it, it is Mother's Day. Our yes. moms are very proud of us um, for doing a podcast about Glee, and um, <laughs> it will. Uh, it, this will obviously drop way after Mother's Day. Go on, yes. Karina. Um, so yeah, here we are. We're talking about laryngitis, and we open up on the world's most dramatic monta- uh, shot of someone getting their mohawk shaved. Well, also, I wanted to mention this recap, mm-hmm. which like. Molly Shannon is back, mm-hmm. and of course my note is, so are Glinda and Elphaba, which means Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel show up in this recap, yeah. um, as well as the, um, uh, what was that song? It, it just says, worst song ever. Oh, um, Run, Joey, Run. Run, Joey, Run, which was just done in the previous episode, which we recorded like three weeks ago, <laughs> like in like in the, yes. in the real world, um, so I totally forgot that this was the previous episode. Yes, we had just come this. off a bad reputation and Run, Joey, Run, the best number that we will ever do. Also, I have a quick comment on that, too, because my note-taking started within the first five seconds of this mm-hmm. episode. Um, yes. And also, I will I, I will preface this by saying I feel like some of my notes are more about Glee the 
in its entirety, and then some of the notes are more specific on the episode itself. Mm-hmm. This is coming from someone who, literally, this is the first complete episode of Glee I have watched in 10 years, so yeah. please take all Good. of my notes with a grain of salt. But I will say, in the recap at the beginning, I noticed that they called it a glist. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a huge tolerance for wordplay, as I'm sure Ian knows, but it does only go so far, and I have to ask, is this a recurring thing that they do where they add a GL to yes, various but like more so that that's a real thing that happened in the world once glee it the did. phenomenon hit you could make anything into like a glee product with the addition of like a gl a gl that's why branding like is the simplest people who were big like who stand glee they were the gleeks you know yeah like a geek for glee. oh yes you know it just really like the glist really speaks to me and my love of portmanteaus so like yes but um, also like the glist was a real thing from the last episode yes. right yeah like it was okay. actually called the glist yes they called it the glist like unironically the list. you know yeah. why say two words when you can say one i was exactly. gonna say they just they slid it in there like it was a totally normal thing which instead which exactly. you know instills a lot of confidence in their ability to think that that's like just something everyone it's knows. It's just marketing, baby. It's good marketing. Good marketing, baby. Um, also, by the way, the three women in this uh, recap do not make appearances here. Correct. I was I was very much looking forward to seeing both like Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel and Molly Shannon all show up, and that never fucking happened. No, you were duped. I was duped. But we do open, as you said, Karina, on um, Puck shaving his mohawk. There was a lot of really dramatic filmed sequences in this episode. They, like, really yes. went all in on, like, montages. Yeah, Puck shaves his mohawk under duress. Yeah. Um, which, this made me nothing to you, Nick, but this is a big fucking deal to everybody else because his hair is his identity. Okay, clearly. that was one of my questions because... Um, I, I literally wrote, has uh, this character, and then I put in parentheses Puckster, because that was the first t- the first time I heard his name, it was Puckster. Um, is his mo- has his mohawk been a major deal in the past? Also, I feel like I lost some of the impact by seeing the episode where he shaves it off first. So if you're saying it was a big deal, they I mean, did, through the savvy editing, give a good indication that it was a big deal. I just wanted to make sure that it actually he was. He doesn't, like, talk about it a lot any time before, but, like, he's always had it. So you're like, yes, this is part of you. It's like when someone, like, has their, like, specific outfit that they always wear, but it's never really a topic of conversation until someone's like, oh, yeah, you wear that outfit a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, that becomes part of their identity. This one it was just, like... The mohawk was implied, but Puck's whole game really is that he's just a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so therefore, like, no one is afraid of him anymore. Everyone is just kind of looking at this dude like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. And, like, uh, Santana even confronts him in the hallway and is like, this is not who, like, this, no, buddy, no. They have some really good back and forth in the choir room where Santana and them are, like, talking about, he's like, you know, all my power comes from my hair. I'm like that one guy who got a haircut and lost all of his power. And she's like, Samson? And he goes, no, Agassi. And I'm like, oh, no, a joke I don't get. Um, (laughs) Who, by the way, was a tennis player who apparently cut his hair. I Sure. (laughs) Which, I I don't know if that's a deep cutter. Isn't isn't Emerald's last name Agassi? The chef? No, that's Legacy with an L. Oh, well, I... Never mind. Bam. 
I feel exactly. like if he'd made the if if instead of a tennis player he'd made the reference a Super Mario three reference, it would have tied thematically a little tighter. That part, mm. I like that whole through line of Pokemon yeah, that Super was pretty Mario. solid. Um, I love that detail. I, yeah, they had some good quick banner of Santana's like actually I will no longer be sleeping with you because you no longer have a mohawk, which cut right. him deep. And then we get somehow the least offensive portrayal of Jacob Ben Israel that we have gotten so far. <laughs> Oddly enough, I was most offended that, like, he had a redemption arc. Like, of all the fucking (laughs) things to give, like, your token Jewish character that isn't Puck, who is also apparently a token Jewish character now, like, the fact that we gave this motherfucker a redemption arc is just really the most offensive thing to me. Is it token Judaism if you have three canonically Jewish characters in in your cast? I guess it's not, I guess it's not tokenism anymore, but I feel like Ben, Jacob Ben Israel was, like, the token Jew of, like, yes. this neurotic, like, shrimpy-looking fellow with neurosis and glasses. He's your stereotypical Jew. Stereotypical, yes. But now he and the other merry band of nerds are no longer intimidated by him. So much so that they um, throw him in the dumpster. Yeah, revenge. 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 And so in the dumpster, he has this, like, internal monologue... Now he's going to, well, he basically compares himself to Mercedes because now she's popular because she's on the Cheerios Mm -hmm. and he doesn't need to be on the Cheerios, but he needs to date a cheerleader. Yes. So he's going to pursue her even though he can't remember her name right now. Yeah, he says, look out, black girl from Glee Club whose name I can't remember right now, which is both very funny and also much like physically very offensive. Yes. Um, There's a lot of playful, offensive content in this episode, as there is in most episodes. Then we go straight to, I, I, of course I only have it as Leah and Matt, because Leah, Michelle, and Matthew Morrison. Yes. Who is on, like, a, a strict regimen of vitamins, because every song is now a solo to her, because everybody is no longer singing and pulling their weight. This is also extremely dramatically shot. No, I was going to say, dramatically shot. for this section, I the only comment I wrote was, give the editors an Emmy. It was very cinematic, and I did actually like the juxtaposition of the high drama compared to the complete, like, low stakes of what she was trying to do with bribing the AV club president with candy? Yes. yes. Sure. Malamars. Malamars. Yes. delicious. Which, which I'm happy Mother's Day. This is my dad's favorite treat. So. That is the <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Let me talk about my father. You're part of the problem, Ian. <laughs> you know what? I learned today. I grew. Um, If you're curious, I did pause on the note that she slides over to say here are the Glee Club members who are not singing. It is yes. Finn, Quinn, Santana, Puck, and Brittany. The only notable thing about this pause joke is Brittany continues to not have a last name um, in this show. <laughs> right. No one has learned that. Yeah. So Rachel so, calls them out on it? Sure. More or less, yeah. She, um, I feel like I have notes, but, like, we basically covered the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, I noted that, like, she's definitely becoming a stereotype of herself in this episode. Like, she was a lot to begin with, but this really, like, especially in this, um editing of like a montage where she's going back and forth between having bugged listen back to the bugged tapes of the glee club um and her singing warm-ups it's just like a stereotype of herself and it was a lot yes i i gotta say once again as someone approaching the show from the outside my i i wrote down i I just did my gut reaction and i wrote i want someone on the show to kick leah michelle in the shins (laughs) uh and perhaps in a Freudian slip, I realized I didn't say Rachel Berry. I no. said Leah Michelle, which I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if I need to. I need to address that in myself. But I, all I could think was, is this a character we're supposed to like? 
I did not gather that in this episode. I think the jury's still out on that. They can't decide okay. whether or not they want you to like um, Leah Michelle um, as a person or Rachel Berry as a character. <laughs> Sometimes you're really, it's very clear that you're supposed to be on her side. And even later in this episode, you're supposed yes. to be like, oh, look at her. But I never got there with her for reasons we will discuss. Um, <laughs> but I don't think you're the first person who's wanted Rachel Berry, I mean, or Leah Michelle, frankly, to get kicked in the shins. So yeah, no grave I mean, bodily injury, just like a little little inconvenience. Little right, little jab. Yeah, exactly. And then we cut to the hallway, our favorite place to have mm-hmm. conversations out loud, um, <laughs> because you don't know this, Nick, but there people like to have very personal conversations at full voice between class periods in the hallway. Yes. Oh yeah, that um, was what my whole high school experience was just <laughs> loudly espousing exposition about my life to people. Personal in the details. Hallway. Yeah, exactly. Um, because high school, you know? So Puck goes up to Mercedes and, like, basically propositions her. And at the end of uh, whatever he says, because I didn't write it down, she, R- Mercedes responds with, okay, you just said, like, ten offensive <laughs> things. He said glad he... Glad she said it. He said that, um... But that historically the blacks and the Jews have helped each other out a lot. And yes. King Martin Luther loved the Jewish people. Arguably, that's just lazy. That's someone who doesn't understand how names are written. That's also like that's a Finn line. If you're gonna if you're gonna like have someone mess up a legend's name, it's gonna be Finn. Finn would do it because he literally doesn't know anything. Yes. Puck, it reads very offensive. It does. Um even though like more or less he's right. Um <laughs> that's not the point though. Wait, um, is he right? Yeah, um historically like I mean Well yeah, I, but like, is he right in calling Martin Luther King Jr. King Martin Luther? No, I no no no. I meant the whole like Jewish people and like yeah. and like the black community like having each other's back. Mm-hmm. Historically that tends to check out. I was I'm completely disregarding the King Martin Luther schlebagel. Okay. Mercedes like rebuffs him in a very reasonable way, which is she's like, yeah. I am extremely better than you. Right. Um, and um especially calling him out for like you knock women up and you hang them out to dry. We have we have the receipts. Yes. And then she says, you and me would not work out. Uh, you're top 40, I'm rhythm and blues. Which, I like that, that line. Was, I did not too. Gonna lie. Yeah. It felt very that's like, like t- this was written for a TV show, but that's not bad. This is a TV it w- it show. Was def- at least it was like on game for Mercedes. Like that felt, that didn't feel out of place for her. And to be honest, like I said, for someone who doesn't really know the deep intricacies of these characters, I felt like that conveyed a decent amount of information about them in a non-just mm-hmm. super obviously transparent way. So I was like, okay. What about the fact that yeah, Puck described check. himself as a sex shark? I, I, I like that. If I stop <laughs> if I stop swimming, I'll die. Yeah, if I start moving, I'll die. <laughs> yes. Right. That tells you everything you need to know about him, frankly. Pretty much. I mean, Nick, congratulations. You've been caught up on Puck. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, perfect. Yeah. So... As we know, we cut back to the Glee Club rehearsal room, which going, I mean, tying it back into a couple episodes back, takes place in the fucking choir room, Mm -hmm. not on the stage that April uh, Rhodes purchased Purchased. for them with her hush money. You can't purchase Um, a school property from a school. We've already talked (laughs) about it, but I'm still mad. Unless you're purchasing it from the state itself. Are you purchasing the government property off of the government? I don't think you can purchase one room in a high school. It's like a little Vatican City inside the school. (laughs) It actually has its own rules and government inside the high school auditorium in Lima, Ohio. Exactly, yeah. Based Um, on the heightened reality Glee seems to take place in, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And, of course, it is run by Sue Sylvester somehow. Um, 
It's not. Um, so we're we're back in the choir room for this rehearsal or whatever, and like turns out Rachel Berry narked on everyone because regionals is in a month, everybody. Okay. Finn explains that he stopped trying because we're giving all the solos to Jesse, who is like not there this episode. Yeah, that was literally my next note, which is Jonathan Groff isn't even here right now. Yeah. Um he's like in we find out he's in san francisco later on in the episode with like the vocal adrenaline people yeah um, we find e- out e- that they couldn't afford jonathan groff for these two for this episode and so he's not here <laughs> exactly. or like there was like a conflict that he couldn't mm-hmm. get out of i didn't even um, realize that was who played him i didn't even know if this was a real character in this ep- based on this episode alone that's a good point yeah Nick. <laughs> you missed out he's jonathan groff is light in this show we love yeah we love jonathan groff uh it shook finn's confidence um and then Brittany responds, there are so many lyrics. She's right. <laughs> She's right. Shu gives some sort of speech about, like, we're a glee club. It's a myriad of voices coming together as one. Based on the show, I'm surprised they didn't call it a gleriad. Ooh, a gleriad of voices. Mm. You know, they really missed the smurf opportunity here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to really smurf themselves. This is a yes. gleocracy. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, this better be what we do the rest of the episode. This is a, that's a bring it on. You can glound on it. Oh no! Oh no! Um, oh yes. Also, Karina, yeah. I've known Nick for five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. This is all being friends with him is. That checks. Yeah. Just yes. constant annoyance. Yes. <laughs> Just constant wordplay, and you're like, Nick, read the room, and he's like, how many books? And we're like, Nick. I still won't forget the one time um, I was at my parents' place for Thanksgiving, and I said one bit of wordplay too much, and my mom said, Nick, if you don't stop, I'm going to rub bread all over your turkey, and I have celiac disease, so uh, gluten would kill me. (laughs) So your mother threatened to murder you with bread. Essentially, yes. Nice. That's how you know you're doing it right. Yes. Happy happy Glother's Day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. Um... So by this point in the episode, I realized what the theme was, and it was just that everyone was going to say the phrase, your voice, over and over exactly. again. Exactly. That's the operative word this time. Oh, sorry. I had a note at the very top, which you reminded me of, because mm-hmm. um, the episode is called Laryngitis, yes. but it's established Rachel has tonsillitis. Yes. Yes. Why is it called laryngitis then? Because everyone has lost their voice. <sighs> Metaphorically. Yeah, it's a metaphorical laryngitis. Yes. It's a laryngitis of the heart. <laughs> Like lyric jitis. <sighs> lyric jitis. So honestly, would have been a better episode. You know, title. they're really. <laughs> they should have hired you. Um. Yeah, Nick. Where were you in 2010? Um, I was a freshman in college. Exactly. Mm. Perfectly hireable. Yeah, that's part true. of the workforce. Yeah. So now, yeah, Will is like everyone has to sing a solo to refine your voice, which of course means we'll hear like what three people. Like, which, yeah, <laughs> turns out that's it. Which is. I will say, we heard more solos from people than I thought we would this episode, which was exciting. Mm. Kurt makes a reference to someone else who I don't know, but says he's going to sing a song by Whitney Houston. Yes, um, um, by some sort of 16th century castrato. You've said so many words there, and none of them registered <laughs> to me. Uh, do you, okay, so history lesson from the music major. Mm. Um a castrato is a singer from, like, the earliest, not the earliest days of classical music, but, like, your Baroque eras, your classical eras, um, your singers that were such excellent choir boys and had such, like, impeccable voices as boys that they were medically castrated ah. before mm. their voices could drop. Right, I did. So that when they grew up, they were still men singing these songs, like, 
more or less as men, like, I, I forget if, like, the genders of everything were, like, kept intact or whatever, um, but, like, they had these, like, therefore, like, what would otherwise be known as, like, soprano, mezzo-soprano voices, but from grown-ass men. That is fascinating and says a lot about Kurt as a person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hmm. Um, I did know about them. I would never have learned that that was what we what we referred to them as. So I have learned something today. Yes. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. It's an edutainment podcast mm-hmm. here. Yes. But only if you want to learn about uh, Idina Menzel or people getting castrated. <laughs> <laughs> the only two topics we can teach you on. How many exactly. podcasts out there cover those two very specific topics in the same episode? Magic God. Spoon, please sponsor us. <laughs> Listeners, leave five stars on this podcast right now. Please. Any whom. So we're back in the while we're back in the hallway, um, Mercedes and Kurt are in their Cheerios outfit, and who shows up but Bert? Yeah, just Kurt's in dad. the halls, which is a little weird. Which, like, I mean, like, the, this is the first of several times we see that this episode. Yeah. Um, what is Kurt's dad just doing at the school? In this case, he's picking up Finn for a ball um, game. For a ball game. Uh oh. Like men. Like I men guess. do, you know. Yeah, Sports. so Kurt just continues to suffer because his father is bonding with Finn still. We picked, we talked about that. So this is an arc yes. that's been happening for like three episodes now, because mm-hmm. I remember you talking about it with episode 16. Yep. I think it was introduced, yeah. Kurt is just still like struggling that his father is enjoying hanging out with Finn, who more traditionally fits the mold of boy interests, quote unquote. Right. Um, it's just very all gender normative, but it's also 2010, so we're not surprised. Who says, I guess, oh, I guess it's in um, Glee Club. And I just watched these episodes, like, right before recording this. So I'm going to be surprised at how much I'm already forgetting. Yep. So I guess Puck walks up to Mercedes and says something about, you got more curves than a Nissan. Yes. Something. Than a Nissan ad. Yeah. yeah. More than curves a than a Nissan ad. ad. Wild stuff. Um, albeit no- normal for gross dudes out there. Yeah. Um, don't do this. Yeah, Mercedes if you care just- about her, it's a Honda ad. Yeah. Come on. And Mercedes just kind of like, what the fuck? Um, right. And then Rachel Berry kick things, kicks things off with a Miley Cyrus song because those two things fit together. So first of all, they do. Um, but <laughs> second of all, sure. this is just a flawless moment of glee. Rachel Berry yes. gets up to sing The Climb. The Climb, obviously, as we all know, um, was from the Hannah Montana movie, not the yep. show. And it's not, it's a Miley Cyrus song, but it is part of the Hannah Montana world. Oeuvre. Yes. It's a great song, first of all. It is. Um, and I bet they released an actual version of Leah Michelle singing The Climb. Oh, God, I wish I, on the actual, like, when they were dropping these songs on iTunes as they were coming out in Glee, if they dropped the ver- the show version, I would have downloaded it. I'm not going to lie. Like the version of her singing it Yes, the off the tune, yes. Because that's the, that's the drop. It's time for solos. Rachel, of course, goes first because she's Rachel, and she's like, I'm going to sing The Climb, which is a song about resilience and whatever, and how you guys are all bringing me down. And she starts to sing, and she's terrible. And she's terrible. Um, and the reactions in all of this are just delightful. I will say credit where um, credit's due. This is a very good comedic performance by Leah Michelle of watching her, yes. like, give it her all to sound absolutely terrible singing this song. Which, you know, was probably the biggest acting challenge for her in this entire series, and we're still only on season one yes intentionally sounding so out of key yeah right um yeah i suppose big old side note um i came across her instagram on uh just like on my regular doom scrolling Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) it was her singing a celine dion song and um 
We didn't even have to count the number of times she was closing her eyes because they were just closed the whole time. Leah Michelle actually has singing blindness. When she starts to sing, she can't see. So she just closes her eyes. I hope she's not one of those people who sings in the car while she's driving. I don't know if she knows Just like so many stray animals just like littering the road behind her as she just drives off kilter. It's just too much emotion. Natural selection. Oh, dear. Lateral selection. Uh Uh-oh. Will likes to, after gently tapping her on the shoulder to get her to please stop, says the faithful lines of this episode, which is, Rachel, you've lost your voice. And then it was like a hard cut to commercial. And then instead we go and talk to Kurt some more. Yeah. Kurt, who is like... She calls Kurt Ladyface. Kurt, who says, I think I will confide, confide in Sue Sylvester now. And it's actually... Not the worst, like... This scene has my favorite line in the episode. Oh my god, I think I know what it is. Yes, when Sue says, So you like show tunes. It doesn't mean you're gay, it means you're awful. (laughs) Can confirm. So I loved that. So, months and months ago (laughs) when we started this podcast, I bullied my friend Rascal, who has been a guest on this show, into watching into watching Glee, basically. Because I was like, oh, I just need you to watch this episode uh, to be on it. And she was like, sure. And then she did what I would have done, which is ended up watching the whole first season. And she sent me a message, and she's like, okay, this show is trash, but also I have just heard the greatest line of television writing that I have ever heard. And it is Sue Sylvester saying, so you like show tunes, it doesn't mean you're gay, it just means you're awful. Yep. (laughs) Which... Just, uh, you know, chef's kiss. Sometimes it's really nice to be seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved Jane Lynch before this, and I knew that I would probably appreciate every scene that she was in, and I was not disappointed. Um, yes, like her advice here is m- not malicious, which is interesting. It's, it's just, it's just the Sue Sylvester way version, and yeah. like you know, she's not like like labels and kids these days is like a thing that people talk about all the time i mean i don't think this was the right advice to give to kurt but it wasn't like a blatantly homophobic or b truly harmful so i call that a win i do appreciate that like and i kind of would not because of sue sylvester in general but i do appreciate like the idea that only sue can tell you about you yes um but she hasn't made a decision on kurt yet and then she ends it with um, I checked out of this conversation and will no longer stop and talk to students because it is a colossal waste of my time. Yes. And then she Just walks away and there's an excellent wonderful. visual gag where the cheerleaders cower when she walks by. Um, I miss that. Yeah. It's just in the background, but she walks by some cheerleaders and they like literally like hide in the corner. It is very funny. I love it. No notes. <laughs> uh, but that means we instead get the stuff of either dreams or nightmares, I guess, depending on on who you are. <laughs> Which is just a straight Kurt. Hetero Kurt. Hetero Kurt. He put on a baseball cap and he wants to talk Dressed about- Dressed up like his dad. John Cougar Mellencamp. But my only note on this scene is I don't know enough about John Mellencamp. And I spelled Mellencamp two different ways here. It's M-E-L-L-E-N camp. <laughs> well, I know that now. So John Mellencamp, who later rebranded to be John Cougar Mellencamp. The Cougar is just an add-on and it's not his legal name. Um, is exactly what Bert says he is, which is a guy singing songs about um, how depressing the 80s were for most Americans. Yes. John Cougar Mellencamp, besides Little Pink Houses, I think did Jack and Diane, if I'm right. Mm. Yes. And Hurt So Good. Um, I quite like John Cougar Mellencamp, so I was here for this. 
these are classics. Yeah. I'll give you that. So, um, this is Kurt uh, saying, I need to learn how to bond with my father and definitely not understanding the right way to do it. But, you know, A for effort. A for effort. But we, oh, well, we cut to the doctor's office first. Um, so Rachel's basically at an ENT, but she's in a full hospital gown. <laughs> like, do they not? Presumably, did they not make undressed. you do that? Do they not make you undress when you go to an ENT? I mean, I've never had to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. No, well, okay, well, no, they don't. Okay. I don't know if you were being ironic or not, but no, they don't. <laughs> how else are they supposed just... to get to your throat? Oh, uh, I'll tell you how they get to your throat. <laughs> they stick a little light camera up your nose and down through the back of your mouth. Disgusting. And then they tell you to go ah. And you go, ah, and they're like, great. And then they rip it out of your system. So if you've ever been, like, remember when, like, everyone was going on about the COVID testing that, like, probed your brain? Yes. That has nothing on being scoped by an ENT. Okay, so musical theater people around the world were prepared to get COVID tested, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yes, pretty much. Um, uh. my note here is that this doctor's pretty rude, and this is why people have trouble trusting medical professionals, because he definitely just started making fun of her halfway through. I mean, I guess it's just because of Leah Michelle, Rachel Barry, that I respected him for it, but... <laughs> Same. Uh, my only note, my only note was, uh, quote, vocal cripple feels like it's an offensive term to someone, but I don't know who exactly. Yeah, you hit the Probably. nail on the head there, because I had also written down, less distinctly, vocal cripple. Yikes! Oh, I just wrote, where's Jesse in San Diego? Doctor has bars. Finn is suddenly into her again? Yeah, I know, so let's talk about that, because, again, it's been a minute. Because that hasn't been established. It's been a minute since we've recorded our last couple episodes. I'm trying to, like, go back that Finn is still... Because the last time Finn was actively pining was the episode that Jesse showed up and demanded a sing-off and... Rachel Perry went, no. Um, that is an insane sentence you just said. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's my demanded favorite moment a sing-off. of TV history. Yes. So I guess we're supposed to assume that Finn has been harboring those feelings and has decided to just not act on them for a couple of episodes for plot reasons. But he wants sure. he wants Rachel to break up with her boyfriend and be with, uh, be with Finn instead. Because Jesse's also still pissed because of the debacle with the terrible music video. Right. The end of this scene got me irrationally angry, mm -hmm. and I think it's because I should have seen it coming if I was listening to the context clues. Her boyfriend, whose name is Jesse, mm -hmm. who I haven't mm -hmm. seen, and then I caught, like, the first half second of that guitar riff, yep. and I was just like, oh my god. Fuck this, really? And yep. like, I almost—it would have been better if they just played five seconds of the riff and then didn't have him do the song, because the audience would have pieced it together, and I think it almost would have been more satisfying. Well, you're in the wrong fucking house, Nick. Clearly, I love this number. Finn singing, Good for you. Finn singing Jesse's girl is one of my all-time favorite Glee performances. I hated it. What is wrong I... with you? Maybe it's the I'm going to stare you in the face while I'm singing about yes! you and your boyfriend you of it all. While I'm on the drums, the while I'm just staring into your soul, and Rachel is like, sir, I'm uncomfortable. If I had been watching this episode with the subtitles, it would have said, drum staring intensifies throughout the entire music <laughs> it number. It did, and it Yes, it would. We can't offend a woman like that. I'm giving unbroken <laughs> eye contact to Ian right now. I just dropped all of my notebooks. Um... <laughs> And there's like four on this desk. 
Much like he dropped a truth bomb on Rachel. Like, you know, we all know that the writers from day one were like, Finn needs to sing Jesse's Girl. We're bringing in this alternative love interest for Rachel, so we're gonna name him Jesse St. James because yes. Rick Springfield fits into Finn's vocal range. Fine. This is the song as he sounds good singing. Jesse's Girl is a great song. It is. A, you're not wrong about those two things. Like, yes. Like, put this on any playlist in the world and I'm having a great time. This is. Out of context, I will. Okay, out of context, I'll give it to you. But this having been my first time seeing this episode, mm-hmm. this, I mean, I, not that I was blindsided by it, but like once she started, once he started singing it, I was like, oh yeah, of course we're going to do this. And then he just didn't break eye contact. This was the one scene that I wanted, I wanted to see a non well edited version of it you know where you got the sweeping shots where you get the cuts back and forth i wanted to see the camera on a tripod just <laughs> facing uh finn and also seeing rachel and i just want to see the awkwardness of him drumming furiously stationary just staring at her the entire time i don't want any cuts yep. back and forth i just want everyone in that room to be sitting in the weirdness of what that must have been like i mean yes that was all i could think but while like watching. from like a high school drama point who doesn't want the guy that they had previously been very interested in just super intensely singing about how they want to date you? Meanwhile, your ex-girlfriend is also there. Yeah, And the woman is. you lost your virginity to. Finn's messy. Um, there's, <laughs> there's two other th- facts about this besides my intense, intense love for this musical number, which is I always feel bad for the actual drummer in the jazz band who has to, like, stand behind Finn while he decides he's going to drum and then do a weird sticks handoff so he can yeah. go back. Um, and also, folding into an earlier point, that the guy who plays cello in the glee band looks like Hannah Montana's brother. Um, oh, right, you're right, you're right. I don't know if that's a also, point that will hit with anyone else right now. But <laughs> Wait, and what's the accompanist's name, the piano guy that we Brad? know and love? Brad was just kind of sitting there dealing with it again, mm-hmm. and um, we are all Brad. Does he um, ever have dialogue or just have the best cutaway he reactions? He will have dialogue eventually, but it take, it's a okay. long con of a joke for Brad the piano player. Justice for Brad. Um. So yeah, this is a slapping number, and then it ends, and then immediately they're like, now Puck! Also, we can gloss over the fact that Will was super here for it, and then goes, we should all be inspired by Finn's bravery. He was brave. Look at how intensely he stared. It takes a lot of bravery to not break eye contact with a woman. (laughs) Bravery or gumption? Are those bravery or psychopathy? I think that's a a fine line. That's a better question. Is is it brave or is it um, brave or creepy? New game. I'd watch that game show. It uh, really rides the line. Right in. Uh, Then we get to Puck's song. You're right. Yeah, they just go right into another performance, which I was fine with. Because last week Puck joined a black church Mm. and did some yeah big yikes. Um, and did some uh, did some research on Sammy Davis Jr., who was a black Jew, yep. which is, you know, accurate. Yeah. Um, and so he, he sings Lady is a Tramp, um, which, frankly, gave me Babes in Arms flashbacks. Oh, no. Um, I'm sorry. Yes. No one wants It's those. fine. Um, and, yeah, and I did that show twice, so, yeah. I don't, I didn't see any Babes in Arms. They don't sing this song in Babes in Arms, do they? Yes, they do. But this isn't a song from Babes in Arms. This is a real song. What's the, yes, that's... What is the plot of Babes in Arms? Well, Babes in Arms was... Uh, okay. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Babes in Arms is um, not your standard musical. It was one of those early form musicals that where the plot was 
built around popular songs of the era. Mm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not dissimilar to the modern day jukebox musical. Yes. um, Where like everyone kind of had like the standards that everyone sang. Um, And then like it's basically that. And then so Lady is a Tramp happens like at some point in the show where the female lead is like, you know what? I'm good here. I'm a head out. Um, Lady is a Tramp. Deuces. So my secondary question, my follow up is, is Babes in Arms a good show? No. Okay, that was that was the underlying vibe I was getting. I mean, like, I actually did have a lot of fun doing it, even, like, both times. Um, it's just, when I got to college, every single person I hung out with felt like they were going through PTSD from having recently done Babes in Arms. Uh, also true. Because <laughs> that's all everyone ever talked about, is how terrible Babes in Arms was as an experience. Also true. So... I mean, like, I enjoyed it because I was the freshman, like, the the wide-eyed freshman that was just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other, but yes, um, it wasn't exactly, like, the best <laughs> experience of my Damn. theater life. R- Rip to babes at arms. We're sorry for tearing it apart like that, but we're not. Have we alienated enough people yet? I don't, um, Ian, I don't really think there's a large contingent of people who are really going to be up in arms about how we feel about the show Babes in Arms. We're going to be up in Babes in exactly. Arms. Exactly. Yes. That's actually what they call uh, their group. Um, <laughs> babes and Stands. Stands in Arms. But you know, regardless of Terrible Musicals, pretty fun number. We don't get a lot of songs of like this era, this style. Yes. Very true. Um, and then like even like when Mercedes comes in and joins the whole fu- like the whole fun jazz band number, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Um, I liked her coming in enough for me to for it to overpower the notion that the rules for the musical numbers in the show don't make sense. They like I understand there there's there, I understand there's like the actual in the context of the story they're singing, sure. And then I understand there's like the musical logic where if you're very emotional you start singing. Like I get that. Like uh Finn starting singing Jesse's Girl in the doctor's office and then it transitioning into him performing it live. I thought that worked. But even in all of that forgiving context, Mercedes should not have known that what the lyrics are right. and what like so I was like I, I thought she sounded great in it. I thought it was a good duet, but like there's just no logic to any of no. this. So I was there's like no, Okay, no. that's where we are. Um no. but it was fun. I like horns and then I like how much we cut to um <laughs> Santana glowering Santana in the Santana being pissed, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. She doesn't um she doesn't want that. Oh mm-hmm. um so I didn't know that the character's name was Santana. And so that scene ends with not even Puck is going to be able to call off Santana. And I really thought they were going to transition into Smooth by Carlos Santana. Uh, and that was going to be the next thing. Like, no one Nick, can call off Carlos Santana. It's true. See, Nick, if you were if you were writing this show, that's what would have happened. God, slash I wish. If, slash if this were a Dapper Devil production. <laughs> it would all Glee featuring Carlos Santana. Yes, exactly. if you're going to go off the rails, at least have fun going off the rails. I don't know if Come they could, on. Oh, no, they probably could afford a Carlos Santana. Oh, wait, by the way, now I'm having flashbacks to when we sang Smooth and Choir in fifth grade. Fifth? Si- sixth grade, sorry. That's not much better. <laughs> yeah, we you sang that song. You got the kind of loving that can be so smooth, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And, like, two, and, like, there was that guitar break, and, like, two girls did, like, cartwheels or something. Of course they <laughs> did. Ian. Ian, if there's ever a moment where a fifth grade girl can put do a cartwheel, they're going to do it. They're like, you know what I think this number could use? Maybe a little cartwheel? <laughs> what if I just cartwheel across the stage during this point? I know this is a camp campfire song, but I think I'm going to start cartwheeling now. 
did not expect. You've never lived until to be. you've seen a girl do cartwheels to the Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I did not expect this episode to be uncovering so much from my past. <laughs> this actually, Ian, is just a this is your life about Glee. This is how you found your voice, Ian. Turns out I was. Turns out I was Rachel Groff all along. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that answers a lot of questions. So. Mercedes is like into Puck now and she goes out in the hallway and she's all smiley and she runs into Quinn who yeah. reveals important things to us. One, she confirms that she is living at Puck's house. And two, Very important. that Puck's mom keeps kosher. Yes. Um, ma- her mom, or his mom will not let her eat bacon. Yeah. But Quinn says go for it. Yeah. Um, and Mercedes is surprisingly like smart about this in a way for she's like, look, I know what this is. I know he's just like using me essentially but like i'm fine with it yeah i mean like i guess for her it's nice to be wanted yeah um and that like she's wanted because of her status yes which is like i get you go girl um and like but what i loved about this like little blip of time is that we're back to like the quinn sadie's friendship that we got two episodes ago that was immediately demolished in the last episode by an out of character quinn moment thing Um, and now we're back to Quinn just, like, being an angel, and I love it. Pregnancy hormones. Um, which is why she couldn't sing. Um. Right. She was feeling too sad, or whatever. And singing yes. for two. Singing no, for no. two. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what they call it. But yeah, so she's like, yeah, I mean, if you want to date Puck, go for it, I guess. I'm really tired of hearing him <laughs> talk about Super Mario Brothers. Um. Yes. But, yes, you won't be able to stop Santana. Bum, bum, bum. And then we don't talk about Santana for a while. <laughs> We don't, but we go to Kurt's song, um, which is Ain't That America. It's called Little Pink Houses. It's by John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, <laughs> Ain't That America. So Kurt's straight Sona here, I just. Is wild. <laughs> it's just like, I related to it too much. Um, here, Kurt's just like, yeah, okay, I guess even though we live in Ohio, straight people sound vaguely Southern, right? Like, I think, I think I will do a southern accent for this, despite the fact that it is not appropriate, which I just yeah, loved. I would say it's 50 miles away from being Sweet Home Alabama. And Kurt, <laughs> Kurt trying to sing in this register is what I sound like when I try to sing in this register, where I'm like, I can't really figure out how to get up much higher, so I'm just going to force my voice down lower into a spot where it does not belong. And that is what Kurt sure. is doing here. Um, just lovely. Uh, all of my notes in this scene are in all caps because Will is like, "This doesn't really sound like you. This group needs to be, needs you to be you. Don't lose track of who you are." Okay. Yeah. I just think if Kurt wants to sing John Cougar Mellencamp, he should be allowed to. Sure. I like this yeah. song too. I, well, once again, w- without as much of the prior context for other episodes, I just felt like Will seems to be overstepping a lot of boundaries being a yes. glee teacher. Yes. A gleecher. Of course. A- exactly. Um, yes. Also, we I had a note earlier about like when it came to Puck Song, like, Will, please teach your boys not to be so creepy, soul starry into the women of their interest. Yeah, um, that is... St- at least stop equating it with bravery. Yes. Yeah. That's not brave. That's weird. Yeah. Any whom. You're right, though, Nick. Um, n- Will Will's teaching abilities tend to be very hit or miss. There's some boundary issues, is what there yes. is. And then Brittany propositions Kurt because she wants a perfect record of um 
making out with all the boys in the school. Sure. I I don't want to say there's not actually human beings who would talk the way she did in that scene. I'm just saying I've never met them. Yeah. That's Glee. That's Glee. (laughs) Although the other thing I will say is, I'm sure we'll get into it in the future scenes, but the character Brittany had maybe five or six lines in this episode, and I found they were almost all perfectly delivered jokes. Yeah. Like, she became my immediate favorite character after this episode. is a queen of line delivery. And, like, they can write her to say the weirdest fucking shit, and she nails it every time. And And they have. Yeah. Um, so she's really always an MVP in these episodes. It's true. Um, my next note is just, oh no, I just remembered in what ha- what happens in this episode. Um, which yeah, which is I think referring to the fact that like Finn finds Rachel like in the hallway eating cereal. Um, which is the classic sure. sign of depression. Um, yeah, and is like, what's wrong? And she's like, I have tonsillitis, and I my antibiotics aren't working. I, and I'm, I'm nothing not, if I'm not my voice. Because she's like Tinkerbell. She needs applause to live. Which is like, that is a good line. I will give it yes. to them. That's a great spot on Rachel Berry brand line. I wrote I wrote that down as a good line too because it also specifically implies what a theater nerd she is yes. because that's only something that showed up in the theater version yes, of Peter you know Pan. So it, yes, so I was like, okay, she's good character. But then Finn just ominously says, I have someone I want you to meet, which set off as someone who had seen this episode before, I was like, oh, no, this is this episode. And we're not quite there yet, but uh, I just want that cloud of ominousness to hang over us for another couple minutes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because instead, we need to talk about Kurt and Brittany making out on um, his tasteful couch. Um, I-, I didn't love this whole conversation of what boys' lips taste like. Not just because they taste like dip, but also because armpits were involved. Um, my um, question is, when she said they tasted like dip, do you think she was talking about tobacco or like French onion chip dip? I was thinking French think, onion. See, I was thinking de- tobacco. It, see, it could go either way. Maybe a mix of both. And well, if you wrote this episode today, it would say it tastes like a jewel. So, yes, absolutely. All boys vape. Um, hashtag ABV. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was, like, weird, but also, like, the armpit thing was just Glee writers being like, what's a funny joke? Um, right. And, you know, always armpits. But I did, like, there's a little bit of sentimentality of, like, Kurt trying to be with a girl and being not, like... Well, also because, yeah, I mean, because part of it was, like, Sue Sylvester's speech to him, she said, like, essentially, like, have you ever kissed a girl? Right. Like, how do you fucking know? Um, so this is him doing that. Um, it was all very weird, but then it did have my personal, like, you know how the line about the sing-off made you laugh so hard? The next line of this made me laugh so hard that I had to pause and Zach was like, are you okay? Which is (laughs) that (laughs) Kurt's dad shows up, which is already weird, and says, I came home to find this note on your doorknob. Do not enter under any circumstances. I'm making out with a girl. And I thought it was just the start of one of your murder mystery dinners. <laughs> Which is, and it's like, he holds up like a hotel, like, do not disturb door tag. Yes. Which means Kurt has gone through the trouble of hand making door tag signs for himself. And is known well enough to make plan impromptu murder mystery dinners that that was the more sensible option for his dad. That was very good. <laughs> this was actually really well done. I will yes. give Glee credit where credit's due. This was just 
excellent. It's a great joke. I want to be the kind of person who, when people show up in my house, they don't know whether or not they're entering into a murder mystery dinner or not. Um, well, I don't think it's too like, late to change your wedding theme, Karina. What beautiful vibes. <laughs> um, and then it goes on to, like, a, like a bit of an emotional scene. Like, there's some, there's some yeah. feelings there. Bert's trying still. Yeah. Yeah, and Bert's like, well, if you're gonna do anything, use protection, and Brittany means that takes that to mean a burglar alarm. Yeah, that was another (laughs) good good little button at the end. Yeah. But yeah, he's basically like, well, when you figure it out, let me know, and I'll love you either way, of regarding her being like, no, I'm, maybe I'm not gay. So then we're in the hallway again. Mercedes is like, hey, Puck, quote, clearly you've never dated a sister before. (laughs) And then she, like, kind of lays out, like, all these rules of, like, dating her, and I feel like they're pretty universal, like, Get to know your date. Yeah. Ask her about herself. Yeah, talk to someone like they're a person. Yeah, that feels pretty universal. The bar is low. Um, and then she's like, I like those frozen coffee drinks. And then he gets back at Jacob Ben Israel because now um Puck is uh, now Puck is like in good social standing again because she's dating because he's dating Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um and he sends Jacob Ben Israel to get that frozen coffee drink for him, which you know Good for him. Good full circle. Uh, he also yeah. does come into the scene talking about Super Mario three. Um, yes, yes, very important. Which he makes some good points. Yes. Uh, so, like, which I do like the underlying, like, Puck is basically just a nerd, but he's a nerd who's scary sometimes, so. Right. That's, like, a fun little trope. And Mercedes does not like this Puck. Right. But who doesn't like Mercedes right now is Santana, who, like, comes up inside. <sighs> I know, I knew it was coming for you, Ian. Yeah. Comes up and side checks, and then they call each other on their cell phones and decide to duet This Boy Is Mine. <laughs> I love this song. Yeah. My notes here are yes, yes, Santana solo. Who's doing the backup vocals? Because <laughs> it was another song where they're like alternating vocal lines. But meanwhile, a they're the only two singing in this vo- in this song. I don't know song fight, and there's vocal tracks going on behind them. Yeah. There was even a bit where like clearly the lip sync was off because like Mercedes came in in the middle of a line. Whoops. Yeah, the rules further went out the window because you're right. Sometimes like Mercedes was mouthing the bo- vocal track, but then she comes in more in a solo capacity and right. it's like so we're we're even in the context of this musical number were you just mouthing along with an imaginary vocal track like backing track it was right. yeah but don't they have the musicians like playing along with them yeah did i make that no, up they're there. maybe they were humming along like i'm sorry that you yeah. seem to be maybe we didn't see them and they were actually and they were all bases oddly enough yeah Yes. I mean, the point of this was that we got a sick duet between Mercedes and Santana, who sound fantastic together. And then they actually, like, go at it, like, catfight-wise, and Will says, you can do it in song, but that's it. <laughs> I underlined that caps locked it. That is the most insane thing I have ever ever heard this is like the ultimate this is clearly taking place in a fantasy world and the way you can tell it's the craziest thing ever said in this i'm gonna say this episode i'm also gonna say the entire show and i haven't seen any other episode (laughs) but this is the craziest thing because if you replace you can go at it in song replace the word song with any other creative activity you can do and it will exemplify how nuts it is like let's say glee was about a band and let's say two Two percussionists are like not getting along, and Will says, "Hey, hey, hey! You can go at it at, in timpani solo, but that's it." <laughs> or if they were like artists, and he and like they didn't like each other, and he's like, "Listen, you can go at it in cubism, but that's it. You can go <laughs> at this in figure drawing, but not else." Yes, there's no Paint universe it out, which that's Paint not it out. a crazy thing to say. You can do this in an aggressive tap number, but nothing else. <laughs> yes, I just want to dance. 
It's like leave it on the field, ladies, but instead it's about the arts, which don't translate to a lot nope. of you can't fight in this isn't hockey, guys. You can't yeah, you can't song fight. But they just did. But again, but again, I think I know what our next Dapper Devil production is gonna be. <sighs> but I, I neither of you were actually in an honest to God glee club, no. correct? But like I know I like I did musical theater in high school, mm-hmm. and I'm sure like that world was I can see like that being the ultimate fantasy for a type of glee person where you truly could like i don't know west side story-esque like dance and sing fight with people like that's a desirable world for some people to live in it's a desirable world for rachel barry to live in who when her boyfriend came up to her previous ex-boyfriend and demanded that they were going to get into a sing-off she was like it was the best day of her life it was the best day of her life some people just want to watch the world sing um <laughs> god uh honestly that's really all that youtube channel epic rap battles of history is tapping into the fact that some people want to see conflicts resolved through song more so than anything else and then i think we cut to like puck being a bully again he's got like nerds lined up to get thrown into a, a trash can right and he's like this is um, me baby or whatever boys say and um mercedes isn't into that yeah mercedes doesn't like that she dude. has some face moments that make it clear that she's feeling uncomfortable with this situation but then we go to exactly what karina was saying oh god i oh no i didn't even want to watch this scene as soon as i remembered that it was coming i was upset i paused i wrote out all of my thoughts and then i resumed the episode and let it play while playing candy crush on my phone because i already knew what i was gonna say about it I was like, I don't, I hate, I hate it. My thoughts on it are actually, I, I, I don't know what to think of it just based on this single episode. <laughs> so I have an important question. Yes. Do we see this character in future Absolutely episodes? Absolutely not. Okay, then no, fuck this exactly. scene. Exactly. That's what it is. I, I was going to say, like, if this is like an introduction to something that becomes a through line, I would appreciate it. But if this guy solely exists as an accessory to the single episode journey that one character is going on, and that's how you want to play it, then bad juju. So it, what it yep. is, so to if you're not concerned, if you haven't already clocked what terrible scene it is, it's the scene where Finn brings Rachel over to a friend's house who is... um a quadriplegic, so he is paralyzed from the top of his chest down, no use of his arms and legs, and basically has Rachel talk to him in this way that is, like, it's just, like, trauma inspiration porn. It is just the use of someone who has it worse to remind Rachel that things could, that she doesn't have it all that bad, just, like, and to feel better about herself, even if she can't get her voice back, that at least she has all four limbs that work. It's and he can't try out for the glee club. Right. He was t- he he missed out. He was too afraid. This is everything that we kind of felt like talked about in the episode with the deaf choir Ian this like yes. using people yes. who have disabilities as like vehicles to make like able-bodied people feel better about themselves. Right. Um and just crank the dial up to 11 like literally a guy. Exactly. And that's where it comes in is that this all happens and then we never hear from this guy again. Right. This I wouldn't have had a problem if this is how they chose to introduce this character. Yeah. And then this person also had autonomy and maybe interesting story plots as well. But yes, truly to just throw this in, this this huge... And also, I don't know if this happens in Glee a lot, but 
the tonality shifts of the extremely heightened reality. Like three minutes ago, we were seeing nerds lined up in front of a dumpster to be thrown into yeah. it. Like on the one hand, that's almost like a 30 Rock-esque, just crazy town. And then to have mm-hmm. it, a very, very serious scene like this just really threw me off. I, it, I, yeah. I, did, not, I did not have like good like just balance with what was happening. I read a review that someone said that an all-in-all, like, the character was treated pretty respectfully. Like, it was handled not poorly, but I think a lot of it comes in hindsight that this is clearly just a, like, vehicle to make Rachel Berry feel better about herself. Definitely reminded me of, like, what Rascal was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, it almost hit the yep. mark. It just missed the mark. Yeah. In the whole treatment. Well, and it's its placement, too. Like, you can have, like, a hilarious sex joke, let's say, but if you put it at, like, a eulogy for someone who died tragically young, it doesn't fit well. Even if in isolation you can say there was nothing wrong with that. I think he as a character felt believable. Like, he didn't truly just seem like, like they were dumping a pity party onto him. But, yes, it's the fact that he was just there as, like, the last little leg of one person's character journey for one episode also, felt Finn, wildly out Finn of touch. Finn spent the whole scene sitting on the sideline looking very, very, like, smug. Like, he has somehow mm-hmm. trapped Rachel in a situation where she can learn a lesson. And, like, so it does feel like Finn has orchestrated something where he's going to get a lot of credit for something which he doesn't deserve. I do like seeing Rachel Berry uncomfortable, though. So, yeah, there's that. Maybe we could use more of that. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted the shin kicking to be, her to be uncomfortable, and I got that in a different way by the like end, so that was okay. It was like an emotional shin kick. Um, yes, yep. So she leaves, she's uncomfortable, and then it's suddenly about Mercedes quitting the Cheerios. <laughs> yes, because it's just not who she is. Right. Um, even though she has a Madonna number where she does 10 minutes of vocal riffing. Mariah which, Carey. Mariah Carey. Oh, thank you, Mariah Carey. What is she going to do? Nationals is in three weeks. I guess Sue's going to have to do a, a diatribe about immigrants now, which is gross, but also, like, just a funny line out of context. It's too close um, to home in now. In the Sue Sylvester. But. Exactly, yeah. Through the Obama goggles. Um, so it's Mercedes. That's Mercedes plot over. We've done it. Check. Um, yeah. Yep, check. Cool. Moving on. So then, um, oh, my goodness, guys. Oh, I'm excited now. I'm excited. So we cut to Bert once again inexplicably in the hallway of the high school. To pick up because Finn he's picking up Finn to get, to get hoagies because he caught a foul ball. Finn caught a foul ball, which is all great. And you can see, you can pinpoint the exact moment that uh, Kurt's heart breaks if you pause there, yep. and he's realizing that all of his straight Sona hasn't worked. His dad still wants to only hang out with Finn, and he deals with it the only way he knows how, which is in song, in perfect song in perfect like 11 o'clock number roses turn real this number is iconic we've talked about a yeah. lot of iconic numbers on glee including run joey run which is bad but this number is it is perfectly within chris cole for his vocal range he sounds yeah. phenomenal he sells the emotion he sells it all. It, it ends with a giant light-up version of his name that he does a one-man kick line in front of. I could watch this performance every day. He was living his life up there. Not to mention the scene afterward that was also very yes. very similar to the to, uh, to Gypsy, but it was great. I, I can only assume this is what they used as an excuse to submit him for Emmy consideration. I don't even know if they did. I should look. But, like, that... 
They the picture, like the image of Kurt, like standing, belting his ass off in front of a giant light up version of his name, singing "Everything's Coming Up, Kurt." Coming up, Hummel. It is. It is just perfect. I yes. like. This is the number where you're like, Kurt has it. You want to talk about yeah. star power? Like, look at him go. I have watched this number on YouTube several times since we started recording this podcast. I just think yeah. it's so good. It is. Karina, this is our first time, A, yes. seeing and to any degree face-to-face and B, doing a show together. And I don't want to get on your bad side. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, but- no. This mute. This number was what made me realize definitively I am not the target demographic for this show because while I could appreciate the performance in isolation, its placement in the episode did not move me in any way, shape, or form. That's it was fair. just like I'm watching a great performance that feel the, the scene after with him and his dad. I thought was perfectly done. Yes. That was. I was Agreed. not emotionally moved at all by the performance. I was 100% emotionally moved by their yeah. scene together after because it felt truly real. You could see a dad trying to overcome his preconceived expectations about what fatherhood would yeah. be and him trying to wrangle with that and then seeing how much Kurt was kind of impacted by him trying to be what his dad wanted to be and have that fall through. I thought that fit perfectly. In my humble opinion, you didn't even need the musical number before to still have that scene hit. It was great. Like I said, perfectly great. In isol- like if I was watching a talent show, it'd be great. Amazing. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. it, it you're right. In his range, loved, loved, the, loved the little name in the background. Um, but I, I was just like, this is something that will be amazing to some of the audience yes. that just kind of is like, I'm cool with it. It is, it is a number... Let's all be honest here. It is a number for the girls and the gays because <laughs> it is like or the glaze, the, the glaze as they yes. call it. For, um, because maybe not. I don't know that if I love that. Kind no. of troubling. Like Kurt oh, no. really has had a lot of plot up until now, but not a lot of like musical features. Because honestly, yeah. the person he competes the most with, like vocal styling wise and repertoire wise, is Rachel Berry. And Rachel Berry is always going to win out in that. There was a whole episode about it. Yeah. So I think having it be his sort of breakout number of, like, this is what Kurt as a character is and can sing. I will say, kind of to your point, when I, we started watching this episode, I didn't realize that this is when this happened. I would have fully um. believed that this plot line could have come, late, like, much later in this, like, later in the season, maybe even a season two number. Like, I was like, oh, this episode has a lot of things happening in it, and I didn't realize that this is the episode where Kurt has his, like, emotional breakdown number, basically. So, the fact that it probably didn't need to be there and be where it was, that's probably true. I mean, I will say I did appreciate it, like, as a musical theater moment. Exactly. It was a very yes. good, yes. it was a very good, like, textbook musical theater occurrence. He had this like emotional experience. It was too much to like to put into words, so he sang yeah. it out into the he world. He was having his musical um, moment, and like I yes. guarantee, if I messaged one Jenna Kate Monosoff right now asking about what she thought about that number <laughs> appearing in this episode, it would have a similar reaction. You just sometimes it's time for Gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Like I'm always here for it. But it like it this episode did feel like, oh, there's already so much going on and those it's also feels a lot 
like Lee's, like, how many musical numbers can we pack? How many different genres of music yes. can we pack into this one episode to sell records? Well, yes. we actually, um, I, I didn't mean to do a shameless plug here, but on my podcast, The Song Topsy Report, we recently covered, um, in 2016 in um, New Orleans, they did a passion play performance mm-hmm. of, you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But they did it as a jukebox musical. Amazing. Mm. Um, where, like, Judas sings Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. <sighs> And Amazing. John sings The Reason by Hoobastank. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. It's it's wild. Please, listen to the song tops <laughs> report. Um, but I say this because we brought up something that I feel like comes up in Glee a lot, where I think it's almost like an interesting thought exercise to say, I have a story here. If I want to jukebox musicalify it, what popular songs fit the emotional character beats we're trying to hit here? And I think that's interesting. Like, um... The Boy is Mine that they covered earlier yeah. technically fits perfectly. And I think it's right. interesting to do that. But I also just like me personally, I'm predisposed to not like jukebox musicals. I like original music that goes with a story. And while I can say it's interesting to see like how you're able to make it all come together, it's not always for me satisfying to see that in a movie or TV show or play. Yeah. Um, but that is my very subjective opinion. To be fair, Glee doesn't exactly, like, always hit the nail on the head with that. I've heard in later seasons it gets a little more forced sometimes. In the later seasons, I feel like you see a lot more of, like, them being like, we need to have this, this song is popular, we need to cover it on Glee, how can we fit it into our plot? More so Uh, than, I have written an episode of Glee, and now I'm going to figure out what songs fit well into it. And they still, they've already, like, since the mid-season, like, finale, they have already started doing that a little bit because they realized that the songs were the moneymaker. So, like, that's why there's so many of them in an episode. It seems like the ratio Glee does is they do three quarters pop songs, one quarter musical numbers because they they know the pop stuff is what will get the mass audience, but they gotta anchor it in actual musical theater to keep them happy, too. So it seems like that's the ratio that they settle on. Absolutely. Theater kids were the horse in which like Lee put upon their back. That's not the right phrase, but you know what I'm going with. <laughs> I got yeah. Like yeah. They, they built this franchise off the backs of theater kids, so they have to keep them like happy. The ultimate big thing here is how the fact that I cried again at the Bert and Kurt scene that immediately followed it, <laughs> because added to the board. It's just <laughs> father and son love each other more than anything, even though they have their differences. And then my next note is, and then back to this bullshit. And then back to this bullshit, because Rachel's here on her own volition to visit Sean, basically to say she's learned her lesson that she's more than her voice. She literally basically says that out loud. Like, I have learned my lesson, and the lesson of this episode was I am more than my voice. And he's like, great, I'm still, I still have no use of my body. Yes. Also, for me, the jury isn't out yet if she's still more than her voice yeah i think many people might argue that about (laughs) rachel berry right now um yeah and then well they sing a song go on well they sing it they they, then they sing a song oh yes and then to totally undermine any emotional build-up you've done you you cover a u2 song and you don't even it is u2 it is u2 i don't know how you was like i knew not realize it was it says all the hallmarks so again like it was another song that played all the time at the container store, mm. and I knew it was Mary J. Blige and someone. I guess it was just like I had to remind myself. Oh yeah, it's Bono because she dis- well because she's more than her voice, but she's going to offer him singing lessons yes. because her tonsillitis cured itself. 
Yes. No surgery. Okay, and Lucky. If, if they had honestly used the singing lessons as a way to keep him involved a little bit more, I thought, like, as I was watching, I thought, oh, that's going to be a thing. He, he might not come back every week, but, like, he'll show up again. So the fact that she says, I'm going to give you... Did, did she just drop the ball? Did she show up that one time to sing slightly louder than him anyway and then just leave him? <laughs> oh, man, uh, yep. Yeah, that's, again, they had they had a door that they could have taken and instead they just slammed it shut. That's the glee way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, gun to my head, I could not have told you that they ever did this song in Glee. I've watched this three times now. I have, <laughs> if you had been like, do you think Glee did this one U2 song? I would have been like, don't think so. <laughs> See, I would have completely believed it because it's very, it very much feels like the standard closing community number, which it is, yep. especially in this case. And um, I w- totally would have believed that, like, hey, you're going to have Rachel and Finn lead. What's the song called? One. 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 Fine. Um. Um, <laughs> well, because I wrote down One Love and I'm like, I don't think that's it. No. I totally. Short story long, I would have totally believed as someone that is only seeing this episode for the first time that they did this. And I actually really liked Dead it. Ass, I thought they were about to sing Everybody Hurts again. I thought as I was listening to that, I'm like, because I don't listen to a lot of you two. And I was like, is this Everybody Hurts? I thought we already did Everybody Hurts. That would make oh, they sense. Tied, they could have tied it in earlier and called it Everybody Kurtz. Yes. And it could have been about his emotional pain. Damn it. Everyone Everybody does. Kurtz. <laughs> Which is to say we all stand in front and do a one-person kick line in front of a sign that says our own name. Exactly. Um, or you try to sing a song that's too low in your register in front of a lot of people. Yes. Both of those are being curt. Um, yep. Too curt. It's a verb. Yes. I too think curt. this number was, to quote Ian, fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is my legacy. It was fine. I, like, you have, like, the bookend shots of of Rachel and his name was Sean by the way I don't know if we said it but this character who we'll never yes. see again his name was Sean um, who doesn't now this feels bad to say but I didn't really like how Rachel and Sean sounded together I'm like well this isn't super pleasant but oh also sure. I just realized I remember how my earlier notes said I feel like the term vocal cripple is offensive to someone I think it it's, just came later in the episode it's to him mm. um, yeah yep. Yeah, they really were like, oh, you know what happened is in that doctor's office, Rachel said the term vocal cripple, and Finn had a light bulb went off in his head, who was like, <laughs> I know a cripple. I will go find him, and I will use this as a lesson. Yikes. It is a that's yikes. non-sociopathic behavior. You know, Finn's not the brightest bulb in the shed. And so then they end with Rachel Berry, like, bookending it of them just singing, like, in in uh, his room and it's supposed to be very poignant and it probably is somewhat poignant but the middle i mean the middle is all product overproduced glee number so yes and i i realized in the middle in said middle um one i could have used more solos yes i actually really liked the number just sort of Mm -hmm. in general like i thought it was a solid cover of it but also quinn is like just full-on dancing while like full pregnant i mean she's not Um, that pregnant yet and you can still you can still you're allowed to move your body when you have I mean, okay, fine. I guess I thought she was more pregnant than Mostly she is. Mostly what I'm um, saying is there will be an example of a couple episodes, Ian, where you will really notice the pregnancy and the dancing, and it will be look a lot more egregious, so don't worry. It's coming. Okay. All right, okay. I trust you. Spoilers. Um, I noticed magically everything is okay now, yeah. and I realized just how incestuous that club was, because everyone was all, like, arms around each other, swaying and stuff, and I'm like, you have made out with 
her who's dated him who also dated him who also knocked up her who um yeah hey, are you trying to tell it's, me that that's not the most accurate portrayal of a group of theater kids that you've ever seen that's that was that's my point <laughs> that was my yeah. point my point was oh i actually now fully believe that this is a theater troupe yep. because of how many people have dated each other yep they just can't keep their hands off of each other but the lighting was atrocious i hated the lighting <laughs> okay well and then it ends because that's how all the episodes end now is on a musical number not with a bang but with a whimper <laughs> yep. um honestly but with a breathy song it was very breathy <laughs> honestly except for that one bit i don't really care for it all love this episode <laughs> you know why because rachel berry's not allowed to sing through most of it <laughs> yeah i'll give that to you yeah i liked it that's good. it was fun yeah. see it's fine watch glee <laughs> yeah. it's fine it's fine but yeah um so that is the end of our not well not of our episode entirely but the end of our gle- uh, glepisode, glepisode as you will yes. um <laughs> or glepisode actually was glepisode i mean yeah Either or. I'm happy. I, I accept either pronunciation, personally. Um, so that brings us to our little game that we're going to play with Nick, um, who has never seen an episode of Glee until today, um, <laughs> which we're fine with, because we got two questions for you. Um, there will be more questions, but the first is a two-part question. Is there anything that you wish Glee would have covered? Like, any sort of musical entity. Like, and you also run a music podcast so yeah um you got a deep so you well. have a lot to draw from is there anything you would have liked just in general to have see, uh, to have seen covered by a Glee? song that you think would have been improved by being on glee perhaps i don't know if that's true for any song um but fair <laughs> once again very biased um this didn't occur to me until literally just now but Ironically enough, this episode ended with a song called One. One is also the title of a very well-known song by the band Metallica. And I just realized that song is about a quadriplegic, Hmm. which I don't know Mm. if that would have been way too on the nose, but um, it's a harrowing, horrifying song because it's about a guy who comes out of the war. as I think it's based on a book, um, but comes out of the war as a quadriplegic. And literally the chorus is, hold my breath as I wish for death. Oh, please, God, wake me. And I just kind of would have loved to see the group the Glee group put in the extremely uncomfortable position of gleifying that mm. up. I would have liked the juxtaposition. If it's not just happy-go-lucky show tunes or somber love ballads, if it's just like, oh no, harrowing yeah. so- song by a metal band about a quadriplegic who got out of the war. Glee, give it a shot. I want to see what you try to do with it. There- this is very on brand for Nick. That makes sense. <laughs> I will say, I just double-checked, uh, Glee never touched Metallica. Surprising. It does no not one. surprise me. I believe it. <laughs> they maybe could have done Enter Sandman. That was a big hit. Right? I just don't know. I don't. I don't know yeah. when it would have applied. Absolutely. Because just like Glee tries to fit, uh, you know, external songs into existing storylines, I don't know how many Metallica esque lyrics fit neatly into. Um, oh no, you know. So I know that Glee has covered Amy Winehouse. Yes. Um, Metallica did do a song called Moth to the Flame, which was about Amy Winehouse, about the dangers mm. of how fame can just kill you, basically. Yeah. But once again, I still don't right. know if that would have been sensitive enough for Glee. Yeah, they're, they struggle with, you know, emotions sometimes. So I learned at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Okay. It is Ohio. Um, <laughs> part two of this two-part question. Is there anything that you're glad Glee never touched? 
Well, I wish I could have said Jesse's girl, but uh, this episode has has, has taken put, that away from put you. the kibosh on that. Also, I guess I just need to go through what Glee, ha- all the songs Glee has done, because I've I've seen throughout the years clips of stuff they did. I was very disappointed to see they did Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I was very disappointed to hear that they did an entire Rocky Horror uh, mm-hmm. picture show episode. Um, so I guess I, I don't really know what I'm happy they didn't cover. I'm happy that a lot of my musical tastes don't overlap too much with Glee. Yeah. They're not really touching Scandinavian death metal that much, so for the most part, I don't have to worry about them <laughs> putting their spin on that. <laughs> so for the most part, I guess I'm happy with everything that they did. I will say, um, their Rocky Horror episode is Stuff of Nightmares, but... <laughs> so I've heard. I do I do quite like their cover of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It's one of Cory Monteith's finest moments as a glee club leader in that well if it wasn't abundantly clear like i'm the kind of person who my i think my least favorite group out there is pentatonix oh um oh no you're not alone (laughs) oh oh that's that's good to know i just but i just say that and that generally speaking i don't like music where it's a covers and then b so pitch perfect they just sound like machines Like, I like there to be some humanity in the music, and I feel like... I, I felt like the Paradise by the Ashbold Light co- like cover they did was just a little bit too squeaky cleanified. And, um, but once yeah. again, that, that is my opinion. And it subject, makes sense very why it Having, There's a lot of songs that I have only heard the Glee version of because I'm a shitty, <laughs> shitty poser. Um, <laughs> I get made fun of for liking bands called Vampire Weekend and Giraffes, Giraffes, and LCD Sound System. And this motherfucker has the nerve to come on my podcast and say Scandinavian death metal. I mean, we all have our faults. Mine is... Well, I also... My fault is hanging up in this poster behind me, so... Is this your bedroom? No, this is my office, Ian. Okay, just making sure because I'm like... Which is why there's allowed to be a One Direction poster and two giant Gutatamas in there. (laughs) But to end this on, to to end this segment on a little bit more of a positive note, I'm sure there's more questions, but I just want to say, um, I've recently tried to live my life not having guilty pleasures, only pleasures. I don't think you should have to feel guilty about any of your pleasures. If you oh, enjoy yeah. it, you don't need to even justify it. So that's why I Absolutely. say all of my gl- opinions are totally my own. Yes. <laughs> Ian, don't give me that look. <laughs> that was a bit of a... Well, good news, um, if you want to have more opinions yeah it doesn't really roll off the tongue in the best <laughs> way which is we welcome to being friends with nick we now enter our second phase of questioning which is um take yourself back to the fine fine year of 2010 and that someone has gifted you an itunes gift card for uh your holiday of choice and you need to spend some of that itunes gift card on one song that was featured in this episode of glee um, that is, what's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, technically seven. We'll say you could choose the climb if that is your jam. There's seven songs to choose from from this episode. The Climb, Jesse's Girl, lost my list, uh, The Lady is a Tramp, Pink Houses, The Boy's Mind, Rose's Turn, or One. Which of these songs are you going to spend money on and have on your iPod? I think... The one song, like, if you remove all context, the one song that I just enjoyed the most that I could listen to again is probably um, Ladies a Tramp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what I would put it towards. If it came, um, off, on, came up on Shuffle, you would be like, oh, okay, this is a fine yeah. song. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I do. <laughs> 
And to be honest, I did. Once again, in a bubble, I didn't hate Jesse's girl. It was. It was just its placement. As soon as I heard that riff, I'm, I was just like, "That's okay. That's what they're gonna do. This is really what we're gonna do right now." And then, and then, yeah. And then, if I could listen to it without seeing the eye contact, I might enjoy it a little that's, bit more. What I'm learning is I've gotten very good at separating Glee songs from their Glee episodes, <laughs> um, because it does change. Because I can tell you with absolute certainty that I think I might have even spent money on the Finn's cover of Jesse's Girl. Like, I can, I, I believe guarantee it. that's on my iPod. I could fire it up right now and be like, yep, there it is. There's that. I trust you on that. So that is my answer, Ian. <laughs> um, I mean, like, you guys are right that, like, out of context, all of these songs are actually really fucking solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would go with one for the same reason that, like, Nick would go with his pick because I feel like that would come on shuffle and I'd be like, yeah, this is fun. Fascinating. Yeah. That is like mostly because, like I said, this number is so I couldn't even tell you what it sounded like now. I watched that episode two hours ago, and if you were said, "Tell me how the song one goes," I'd be like, "Does it sound like everybody hurts the song?" I think it was. <laughs> That's a, it, you know, there's something nice to be said about songs that just fade into the background. Yeah. That's like perfect mall shopping music. That's what, That's what you two built their YouTube. brand. I heard it for I heard it for five years at the Container Store, and I'm not sick that of is, it. So that's high praise, I will say. Wow, we and and I did and I did hear five years of Glee Christmas at the Container Store, and did get sick. of I that, can't so. wait to talk oh, about Glee no. Christmas episodes. There is some bangers on the Glee Christmas covers. Ho ho ho! <laughs> I know <laughs> it's foreboding. Um, but, you know, we've done a lot here today. Yeah. Um. Good talk, everyone. That was a, that was a rollicking good time. And Nick, if you would like people to, uh, find you on the social medias, and if you want to plug anything, um, now's your chance to do so. How can they find you? (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm just gonna be plugging the exact same stuff, because a lot of what I've been plugging recently has been show about coworkers, which everyone should watch. Um. But you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier. Uh, check out Dapper Devil Productions to see all of the Umbrella content this podcast included uh, that we're all working on. Um, and yes, once again, show about coworkers. It is it is heating up on the festival circuit. It's true. Um, it's pretty wild. <laughs> Did you say your podcast? Oh yeah, it's the Song Topsy Report. Um, yes. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, it we is. dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. Uh, so if you if that sounds up, up your alley, uh, check it out. We're going to look into uh, scheduling another crossover episode where Karina and I... I'm so excited. Um, ...talk about some music on your show. Yes, we brought it up. It, it will happen soon because I'm pretty sure... I don't want to give it away to your audience just yet, but I'm pretty sure the span of time that the other thing covers is the first season oh, so i think perfect. it's a good time to do it sometime soonish so. yeah we're coming up to the end Great. of season one here ian yes ian, yeah. where are people are gonna find you you can find me at ibroski on twitter and instagram um ianjbrodsky.com at ibrods on tiktok um <laughs> i just uh Ooh, i'm writing that down. yeah i just uh posted some content about breakfast and the cat i was watching um <laughs> And, um, yeah. Okay. What about you, Karina? I will tell you where you can find the internet, but first I do need to roast you about your TikTok very quick about breakfast. Oh, God. I just, I cannot fathom how you were willing to use four pans to make a single meal. Oh, no. I was only using three. The other one was soaking from my roommate's okay, I was last like, night. I've never once in my life gotten up to cook a meal and been willing to make four pans dirty at once. Because I want, because I wanted an omelet, a home fries, and a sausage patty today. You know, you're valid. 
I had a bagel. It's my day off. I actually was really looking forward to cooking breakfast. That's very so admirable. I went all out. I'm just like a Thank lazy you. person who's like. And, I mean, I guess four if you include the hot plate for the coffee, but. You know, that doesn't count. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, if you want to find me and apparently my opinions about breakfast and how many dishes one should be using, <laughs> um, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Epic Adventure of. Um, you can also find me, I think, on TikTok. No, yes, I've confirmed. You can also find me on TikTok at Epic Adventure of. Um, it's not very good, but it is there. Um, I, I do appreciate is, that we both have devolved to just like posting animals backed up by show tunes. Um, I one of I'd watch it. It's not very good, but it's there. Is a t- essentially my entire brand on social media. So you are quite underselling yourself, in my humble That's opinion. That's the plan. Um, if you'd like to find this show, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Glee Aggressive. You can find us in longer form via email at gleeaggressive at gmail.com. So far, we've only got, oh, well, actually, we did get one very good email. Um, that will, you'll see the, the fruits of that labor soon. And that could be you, yes. folks. Um, send us cursed images. That's what someone did. And they know who they are. And, and they um, know what they did. <laughs> And we love them for um, it. <laughs> and uh, if you feel the need, you can tell your friends about this show, share the, spread the word, rate, review, and subscribe to us. Yeah, so that's the episode. Excellent. Join us next week. Um, we are going to be talking about epi- uh, season one, episode 19, Dream On. Mm. Wonder what that's about. Oh, Ooh, boy. Well, Nick, I, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun come back anytime um but having watched this episode of glee does this episode of glee make you want to watch the next episode of glee me for me yes because i just want to see will try to work this phrase we all have to dream on into the episode i'm sure he will ian sure yeah uh you know that's pretty standard at this point (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not a no. It's not a no. Folks, we've done it.